Trigger warning, this episode contains topics that may not be appropriate for all listeners. All right. So here we are, all together. Like. This is my father. In person. In person. And today we are going to talk about hauntings. Spooky. And spookies and ghosts. Spooky-ish, we're going to call it. Spooky tales. So, um, I know that you don't really have any ghost stories, but I do, and I'm going to share a personal ghost story to get us started off with. Um, when my husband and I were first dating, we went on a spooky road trip um, in 2012, and we went to, one of the stops was Fixburg, um, where we went on a little ghost tour at this plantation or it used to be a plantation now it's a bed and breakfast in an inn and um when we arrived um we noticed that it was all set up cute they had little halloween lights and such around and there was a sound that was playing like they had like speakers or something and it was playing like spooky halloween music and whatnot but in the background we also noticed that there were kids playing somewhere you could hear them running and laughing and, and having a good time wherever they were so the thought occurred to me that it must not be that scary of a, of a place and uh, we went inside and went to the bar area and we had talked to the bartender and we said hey is this place actually haunted because the night before we had stayed at a place that was supposed to be haunted and the scariest part of that was their rickety old elevator that was the scariest part of the whole thing was it was going to fall and kill somebody um, but we were assured, oh yes, this place is haunted. It's got several different spirits and, and whatnot. And so we were excited and I think we just maybe had like one drink and then they were ready to go. So you, we went to the front and they do a performance with a woman that dresses in black morning attire from like back in the day, like a giant dress. She comes down the stairs and she is the woman of the house, so to speak. And she leads you through all the rooms and tells all the different stories and what all has impacted the house and its standing. And she stops at the last room and she says, as she opens the door to lead people out, oh, and if you hear writing and laughter of children, don't worry, kids will be kids. Alluding to the fact that the children that died in that house were still on the property. And then it occurred to us that we never saw children anywhere. Not inside, not outside. The closest thing to children were these two teenagers that were wearing headphones and did not want to be there. Certainly not running around and playing. So we were like, oh, that is so creepy because we up and down swore. I remember you telling me that story. Up and down swore, oh my God, we heard children. Where were those kids? So we were like, okay, well, let's be like super sleuthy and like go back through with our cameras and, you know, uh, a voice recorder that we bought at Radio Shack. So we did that. And once we went all the way through and got to the end, we went and sat in the car and we started playing back the voice recorder. And it didn't take long for us to have a holy shit moment because we had, we were sitting in his, his little car and had the radio turned all the way up and what we heard was us asking permission to go back through they said okay and the door shuts from the um 
like the at the hotel front desk or whatever area that they created and then you go into a different part of the building but there's a door there's a definite door that shuts and you can hear the door shutting and the person that was holding it was my was Paul my husband boyfriend at the time but he was holding the voice recorder and he stopped in the doorway I was in front of him I had already made my way to a bedroom and what we heard was excuse me please and he had been blocking that doorway there was nobody else there everybody else had already gone and the people that were there were in their rooms for the night something found him to be in the way and it said excuse me please now what we can do is i still had that audio i turned it into a TikTok, and so i can give that to you we can add it on to yeah. the viewing stuff but so i don't even make, it. make the sound clip too so okay well yeah. it may not show up well so what we're going to do pause is we'll 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 through the magic of editing through the magic of editing here it is <laughs> that's what i meant by the power of editing, the power of editing. <laughs> that was another story to tell we'll save that one for another day okay you so, don't know about taco bell do you oh as in does kentucky elena? have taco bell no as in elena in the taco bell goes um no <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's a good one. There's a lot of scary things that happen in Taco Bell, particularly after you eat Taco Bell. Oh yeah, that's not wrong. But... You exercise some demons <laughs> when you eat Taco Bell. So I'm going to talk about some ghost story-esque things from my hometown. I'm from Louisville, Kentucky, as I say every single time we record because words are hard and I say things like I'm from Kentucky. So the first thing I want to talk about is the witch tree. In Louisville, Kentucky. Um, more than a hundred years ago, there was a coven of witches mm. who used to conduct rituals and other <laughs> witchy business <laughs> around a tall, straight maple tree where the now gnarled witches' tree stands today, according to some guy named Dominie. But in 1889, the city cut it down to turn it into a decidedly non witchy maypole for a maypole celebration. When was that? In 1889. Oh, okay. A non-witchy maypole. Hmm. Okay. Is there such a thing for a May Day celebration? Right. As the tree came crashing to the ground, the witches went shri uh, shrieking out of town to the West End, and the West End is now different than it was back in the 1890s. The West End now is kind of more lower income. Um, the socioeconomic background of the people in the West End. It's a pinpointed area. Yes, mm -hmm. yes. Back in the 1890s, people were more affluent. Um, in the West End, um, where there was still forests back then, you know, so, um, before they left though, the head witch turned around and she cursed the city and her final words were, beware Louisville, beware, 11th month. Ooh. Is that November? Yes. So 11 months later on March, no, I don't know if that was November, oh, okay. but 11 months later on March 27th, 1890, a big tornado struck the town and over a hundred people died. Oh my gosh. A bolt of lightning allegedly shot out from the tornado onto the spot where the old tree had been and the gnarled tree that currently stands in Central Park grew from this stump. Today, people decorate the tree with necklaces and charms as offerings to the witches. How cute. I love that. Yeah. It's really cool. Have you seen it? Uh, yeah, it's right. Oh my gosh, of course. And it's in our old little Victorian era. We call it Old Louisville. And um, yeah. It's, How delightful. It's pretty cool. There's like, it's cool. Now, the other thing I want to talk about, which is kind of big, um, 
to the people that live there. Not so much big anywhere else. Y'all know about Waverly, I'm sure. It's on the top 10 most haunted places in the world. So everyone knows about Waverly Hills. I grew up basically in its backyard. I showed you a map. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I grew up like right there. <laughs> that's why they don't that's why the ghosts don't bother me. We're gonna talk about the goat man. Okay. The goat man is more Doesn't he have a bridge? He does. We're gonna oh, talk oh. about the bridge. Okay. Um he's actually called the Pope Lick Monster. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it's in the area of Pope Lick Park. I know I've heard of it. Right. Have you heard of it? Right. Oh. It's not technically in Louisville. It's in a town called Fisherville. Mm -hmm. Which is between like Louisville and Taylorsville. For those of you from the area, you know where the hell the Fisherville Bridge is, right? But it's in the area of the Pope Lake Park, right? So the thing about the, the Goat Man is there are a lot of different origin stories. So depending on the generation you grew up, where in town you grew up, and you know, I guess more along the lines of where your interests lie. Okay. And I'll explain kind of that in a minute will determine which origin story you've heard. Because naturally, it can't just be one origin story. But a quickie breakdown of the goat man is he is half man and half goat. And he allegedly lives under the railroad trestle at Popelick Park. It's called the Fisherville Bridge, right? Something y'all need to know if you're not from the area, the Fisherville Bridge looks like it's condemned. It's not. It's, <laughs> oh, no. It's still very much used. Yes, yes. It is a common misconception that the trestle is abandoned and no longer used. In reality, the bridge carries a major rail artery into Louisville. Heavy freight trains cross the bridge several times daily, so it's easy for someone to get caught atop while an oncoming train barrels down on them. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. Should it be condemned? No, it's still very much used. It's just, it's very creepy. Okay. Because you're driving down the road, okay, which is, I forget the actual name. It might still be Taylorsville Road. It might be old Taylorsville Road. I don't remember. But you're driving on the, the main road, and the, the Fisherville Bridge is going to be off onto the left, off a little side road. So you actually have to turn onto a little side road to see the bridge, and you go under it. So it's all trees and then the bridge. Gross. I hate right. it. <laughs> <laughs> I hate it so much. And at night is super creepy especially in the fall when there are no leaves on the trees i super hate it because unlike places i've lived recently they have deciduous trees in kentucky the leaves fall in fall wow <laughs> um so that was a big word deciduous yes i've never heard that word before Really? I mean, we're in Alabama. We didn't wear shoes until like fifth grade. <laughs> so deciduous just means that the leaves fall. Oh, okay. In the fall. Okay. <laughs> they are not the evergreens. No, they're not evergreens. Very good. Yes. So is okay. So the public monster, as I said, more colloquially, oh. there's that word again, called the goat man, is legendarily part man and part goat. And some people go as far as to say part sheep. Oh. I didn't grow up thinking he was part sheep. He was always goat man. Is it just because sheep and goats kind of are similar? I guess. I guess. Huh. They say this is the Fisherville neighborhood of Louisville, Kentucky. It is not Louisville. It is Fisherville. It is a separate city altogether. Numerous urban legends exist about the creature's origins and methods and employees to claim its victims. 
According to some accounts, the creature uses, uses either hypnosis. See, this is why y'all suckered me into this office. You're working for him. <laughs> By the way, we're in a hypnosis office. We're on location at Hoover Hypnosis. <laughs> um, the creature either uses hypnosis or voice mimicry to lure trespassers onto the trestle to meet their death before an oncoming train. Other stories claim the monster jumps down from the trestle onto the roofs of cars passing beneath it. Mm. Yet other legends tell that it attacks its victims with blood-stained axe, and that at the very sight of the creature so unsettling that those who see it while walking across the high trestle are driven to leap off. Come on board. Girl. Other legends hold that the monster is a human-goat hybrid and that it was a circus freak who vowed revenge after being mistreated. In one version of this origin story, it is said that the monster escaped after a train derailed on the trestle. Another version commonly told by locals in the area that claim the monster is really the twisted, reincarnated form of a farmer who sacrificed goats in exchange for satanic powers. Hmm. The legend has turned the area into a site for legend, legend tripping, and there have been a number of deaths and accidents at the trestle since its construction, despite the presence of an eight-foot fence to keep thrill-seekers out. So you can drive over this bridge, but the um, residents... You can't, you drive under it. Oh, I mean under it. Yeah, it's an actual bridge. That's like 20... For rail. Yeah, for so it's like oh, 20 okay. feet up in the air. So what's what's held off with the fence? Because, okay, so the... The, the sides uh, of the road? The, um, the, top, the topography of Louisville, especially that part of Louisville into Fisherville and the smaller counties, was very hilly. Uh, There's a okay. lot of hills. Uh -huh. And so they connected basically two hills together, is what it looks like. Which is, what actually probably happened is they probably blew through the hill to make a road. Right. But it's on it's on hills. Gotcha. And so they have fences. I'm fat. I don't climb up the hills to get to the trestles. And I've unlike some folks, I've been fat my entire life. So I have not never one time uh -huh. climbed the trestles. <laughs> Although I do have a story about the goat man. Now that I'm talking to about the goat man, I remember a story from when I was a teenager. I love it. I want to hear it. Oh, yeah. It'll, it'll, freak, okay. it'll freak you all the way out. I'm so ready. Okay. I foresee you saying a few times, I hate all of this. I hate all of this. It is a common misconception that the trestle is abandoned and no longer used. In reality, the bridge carries a major rail artery into Louisville. Heavy freight trains cross the bridge several times daily, so it's easy for someone to get caught atop while an oncoming train barrels down on them. Okay, so my story okay. about the goat man. Okay. So I was probably, I was driving age, but I wasn't driving this evening. Mm -hmm. I was probably 16. And it was me and my ex from 100 years ago and two of their friends. And we were in a small little bitty Geo Metro. This was like circa 2002, and it was probably a 98 Geo Metro at that. Loud. Okay, you had to like force the steering wheel to turn. Okay, and there was four of us, not small people, in this little bitty clown car, mm -hmm. that I call it. And we were just kind of driving around the haunted attractions around the city. Uh -huh. That's noise canceling oh, okay. that just kicked in, okay. by the way. Okay. I'm, I'm new to this whole thing. <laughs> That's the goat man. I'm, He's still, in your... <laughs> I'm still back in 1998 Geometro. <laughs> so we were driving around at the haunted attractions. It was probably nowhere near Halloween. We're just creepy fucking people. Yeah. And we probably were Sames. we probably had been partaking in the devil's Not lettuce sames. that night Not sames. Uh, you know who knows anyway so we ended up at public park 
okay? Because it's actually like a park, not yeah. so much like a playground park. I mean, there is a playground there mm -hmm. somewhere. It's just like a recreation. Yeah, like a recreation. There's a big ass parking lot and they have a big ass field where they put soccer posts up and shit. And mm -hmm. It's a park. Well, so we were going through and to get to the park is through this little windy road. So you leave the main road, which I'm pretty sure, as I said, is Taylorsville Road. And then you, the, the trestles is to the left and the park is to the right, right? So we were driving the curvy road to get to the park. And, you know, nothing too out of the ordinary, just creepy trees and whatnot. So we get to the park and in the middle of the parking lot, we see this big burlap sack looking thing. And we're like, what the fuck is a burlap sack looking thing? I hate it. Doing in the middle of the parking lot. And me and my friend um, were like, let's check it out. And I'm like, <laughs> let's. This is terrifying. <laughs> let's go. So we got out of the car and I'm just poking the bag. And it's just a bag. It's got some stains on it. It's just a, a dirty, like, burlap sack. Just a big burlap sack. In hindsight, though, did it occur to you that what is a burlap sack? That stain doing in the middle of the road. Uh, it probably had a body in it. Though. It probably had a body in it. Are there like farmer people out there? Well, that part there are some farms out in Fisherville. See, okay, so then there I are. would talk myself into it just being like a farm bag. Yeah, and you know we just we were probably high. Let's be real. Okay. And so we're like, well, this is creepy. Let's get back in the car. And then we hear like a crash out of nowhere, just like a car crash almost type situation. Mm -hmm. And we're like. There's like, it's like one o'clock in the morning. Like there's nobody on this road, right? So we get in the car and we try, we drive and the car is in drive, but the car is not driving. Mm -hmm. We hear the, the RPMs going up, but the car is not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. And so I look at my friend who's driving and I said, if you don't make this clown car move, <laughs> there's gonna be a misunderstanding in this parking lot. <laughs> So, and then we I felt it lurch forward real hard and then zipped off. I would say sped off, but it was a fucking metro. It wasn't speeding anywhere, right? Mm -hmm. So then we leave the park immediately and we're driving. And then as we get to the, where, not the entrance of the park, but the entrance of the road is, there's a wrecked, what looks like LMPD car on the side of the road. It wasn't freshly wrecked. There was no smoke. You said LMPD? Louisville Metro Police Department. That's what I just wanted to verify. First of all, we were no longer in Louisville. So we, why was there an LMPD? Who knows? But it was clearly a wrecked LMPD um, car on the side but of the road. But nobody was in it. I'm, I'm getting there. I'm sorry. And we're all like, was this here when we came through the first time? And my friends were all like, no, it was definitely not there when we came through the first time. I'm like, <laughs> Well, let's go. <laughs> and then all of a not sudden, and all of a sudden, we saw a person sit up and their face turned towards us. The eyes, I don't want to say there were no eyes, but the eyes were very dark. Ew. Ew. And the way the head turned was just very unnatural. Ew. And so we went back to Louisville where the fuck we belonged. Mm -hmm. There you go. That sounds mm -hmm. good. That mm -hmm. sounds good. And we legitimately never went back to that park. Cut to. I don't know, 20 years later almost, mm -hmm. I am now a grown-ass adult who still loves haunted attractions, and they now have a Popelik monster-themed attraction are you serious? in the park That's every fun. Halloween, and there are a bunch of goat men that walk around. That's so fun. Right? And when you walk, 
into the entrance and you're waiting in line, there's like the legend of the public monster mm -hmm. and whatnot at the park where all of that should happen to me as a teenager. Mm. Let's go. I sure did. I sure <laughs> did. Took my, my now ex, and it was a great attraction. They did a really good job. It scared the shit out of me. It was really good. At the end, they had the chainsaw guy. Also, a goat mask. Super. With a chainsaw. Baby. So. I think I made it to my car mm -hmm. in record time. I'm pretty sure as soon as I I was gone. And I'm not graceful, but I was running like a gazelle that day. I sure was. Yeah, I'm pretty sure like I teleported to the car. Needs to chest, needs to I, I remember getting to the car and realizing that my ex is not with me. Yep, too bad. And then I get a text message, where'd you go? I said, oh, I'm at the car. Baby, gone. <laughs> I'm at the car. Gone. Just gone. <laughs> so what do you think it is? What? The goat man. I think it's a goat man. Um, so the legend actual... the legend I grew up with uh -huh. was more on the satanic ritual side of it. Um, this farmer um, used rituals and created this hybrid goat person creature thing. Um, and he used it as a means to seek revenge on the people that um, wronged him in his life. Goodness. That's a lot of anger. Yeah, mm, and that's the, that's the legend that I grew up with. But if you go to the public park during Halloween and they have the attraction, the legend they use in their theme park is the carnival train that wrecked and he escaped from the carnival. Oh. So that's like the theme. So that's probably the more popular uh -huh. myth of the goat man is the wrecked carnival and he was just a freak of nature. You know, one of them carnies. Mm -hmm. So that's the more popular version. I'm just twisted, and I kind of just like the idea of the satanic ritual used for revenge. Sure. Because ah. I'm not saying I could if I would, but I'm also not not saying I, I mean, would if I could. <laughs> so the other day, we asked some of our friends to share with us some of their ghost stories, and we did have a couple people pull through with some ghost stories. So I'm gonna share the first ones from Liz. Um, she, you can find her on TikTok. We'll put her TikTok at here. <laughs> I was gonna ask if she wants that. I didn't, I wasn't going to. Oh, okay, okay, never mind. She's just gonna get- You're getting, you're getting bamboozled. 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 Um, so she says in her, in her message to us, I've always seen the dead as long as I can remember. A very early memory was in my first house. My bed was next to my closet and between that, a small nightstand with my lamp. I'm going to hate this story. I feel like. <laughs> You're going to hate this. I'm going to hate it. <laughs> we should turn the lights off. Ooh. I can turn on my little pink candles. Your, your, little, your little light them ups. Look, look how cute these are. Hold on. <laughs> oh, that is adorable. <laughs> um, every night I'd see them. What? That, that's just the, the noise canceling. Okay. You touched it. Now it's back. Oh, okay. Um, Every night I'd see them. Shadows walking by my room that I knew weren't my parents or brother because it was easily after midnight and they'd be asleep. I would see a male coming up the steps I'd and he would open my door and leave. I'd stay frozen, but I watched. Ew, ew, don't watch, don't watch. Then my closet would open and I would visually see the knob turn and then I would see a clear figure come through the door and it would shut again. Night after night, months 
I would hear the closet, see it open, and the person would come through. Mind you, I was in elementary school and I would tell my parents and they would say I was dreaming, I was dreaming or that the house was settling. Thank you for never saying that to me. Or that they were shadows, something. Sometimes I would feel them tug at my sheets. Ew. Other nights I'd wake up and they would all literally be standing at the foot of my bed no. or at my bedside. I was told by my grandmom to pray them away. My solution began to be to move my nightstand when I knew they would start to block my closet. That didn't work. My dad caught me and he said, what the F are you doing? No, seriously. And I said, they won't, said seriously, dad. they won't leave me alone. He asked who? I said, the people, Liz said, especially the man. He said, you had a nightmare or he'd fix the hinges in the morning. I'd still see them, felt them, and felt them touch me. I screamed and I got in trouble and my, and my mom put it put in this nightlight, an owl. Who the fuck? Her mom. That reminds me of like the Lost Boys um, when the grandpa brought in the stuffed like owl and um, Corey Haynes' character woke up and it was just staring at him. Freak me the fuck out. <laughs> Who would use an owl nightlight? Madam, absolutely not. We love you, Liz. I'm so sorry. I love you. <laughs> I, believe my sh I believe I screamed because they terrified me unintentionally. They stopped being seen as much, but I still saw the man. And one day I saw a picture on my mom's dresser and found the answer. No, absolutely not. <laughs> uh, it goes on to say, <laughs> she said, who are you staring at? I said, the man who walks the house at night. She said, that's your grandfather. He died in 1974. Grandpa, it's time to go. <laughs> you, it's shoo, shoo. Thank you, Liz. Thank you so much for that. That was creepy as fuck. That was creepy. I hate it. I love it, but I hate it. How exciting. <laughs> okay, I gotta. Oh, I gotta pull up and. Oh, Bonnie sent us a picture of the house. She did. Oh, that's so great. Thank you, Bonnie. Next is Bonnie. We're gonna tag her TikTok app oh, as bon. well. I love that. By the way, I'm gonna call her that forever. Bon Bon. bon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't care. She hates it. I don't know if she hates it. I hope she doesn't, because I'm going to use it. Okay. Uh, right. By the way, Bon Bon, you're Bon Bon now forever. Forever. So this is about the Sally House in Atchison, Kansas. That's how you say that, right? Atchison? Mm -hmm. Is that right? I don't know. He's from Alabama, too. You know. Oh. It looks like Atchison. A-T-C-H-I-S-O-N. Atchison. We're going to call it Atchison. Okay. Okay. In the dark of the night. Oh, she got real creepy with oh, this. Yes. <laughs> Oh my goodness. In the dark of the night, a small town doctor is jolted awake by a thunderous pounding on his front door. <laughs> With only the light from a lantern, oh, this must have been a long time ago. Yeah. With only the light from a lantern, he stumbled through the house, wrenching open the door to reveal a frantic mother clutching tightly to her gravely ill daughter. Oh, Lord. That was all very, very verbatious just then. Immediately, Dr. Finney. Okay, so apparently um, small town doctor's name is Dr. Finney. Okay. Ushered the woman and child inside to his examination room. He quickly quickly determined young Sally, so the, the gravest, grievously ill little girl's name is Sally, mm -hmm. um, was suffering from appendicitis. He needed an emergency operation lest, lest her appendix lest. burst. Get on it. In his rush to save the poor girl, the doctor began the operation without the aid of either 
with ether with with the aid of ether or painkillers. Well, that's dumb. My Kentucky almost made, thought that was a typo that said either. That's words are hard. Um, Sally died a most gruesome and painful death at the hands of a doctor who was desperately trying to save her. Did her last agonizing moments on earth cause her frightened spirit to remain trapped in a small house in Atchison, Kansas? Do you know about Sally House? No. Is it the tortured spirit of the guilt-ridden doctor haunting the abode? Perhaps it is the ghost of Sally's mother, broken-hearted from her daughter's untimely and horrific death seeking vengeance for her suffering on any man who dares enter the house. This is a dramatic reading by Rob. <laughs> Sally... A dramatic reading <laughs> <laughs> Sally House is one of the most infamous haunted houses in the Midwest. A quick Google search will pull up any articles about Sally and the Pickmans um, who used to live in that house. It seems men take the brunt of the attacks from Sally. The house is now a tourist attraction and is only used for paranormal curiosity, though many had experienced many strange occurrences there. On one such occasion, I had an out-of-town friend visiting and we decided to walk past Sally House. Tours of the house sell out months in advance, but no harm in just walking by. Or is there? There's an old feeling about the place, but everyone knows about the Sally House. Of course, it's going to feel creepy. My friend and I decided to walk down the short path to the house, leaving the safety of the public sidewalk. I myself wanted to get a little closer. Of course she did, because that's our bonbon. It's her bonbon. As I thought I had seen a face in the upstairs window, and the house should have been empty and locked up tight for the day. She was going to go say something to him. Wasn't she? She was like, excuse me, this is not your place to be. Excuse me? <laughs> Probably nothing more than reflected leaves from the trees, right? Yeah, okay. My friend, however, had stopped no more than two steps down the path, when I turned to him to ask if he had seen anything in the window, I discovered he was not right next to me, but behind me, face ashen and eyes wide. Ew. I asked if he was okay. He simply nodded and said we needed to go. Ew. <laughs> and he, he backed, you know what he said? He said, bitch, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> he backed up the walkway to the sidewalk and motioned for me to hurry up. Once we were several blocks away, I again asked if he was all right. He said that he was, he was walking down the walkway, a strong force hit him in the chest and wouldn't let him go any further. <gasps> My friend was not a small person. He said he also saw a face flash in the window about the time the force hit him in the chest. He said that the force felt angry and did not want him there. Many people have stories of the Sally House. Is it real? Is it mere legend? Perhaps we will never know. As a side note, I think there's also talk that Sally is a demon. Ooh. I think if, if I'm right in that, I think some people think that Sally is a demon. Ooh. Mm -hmm. But she's she's not a little girl, or she never was. So Bonnie also provided us some more information about, uh, looks like a timeline of events. Um, she states that she used to live a few houses down from the Sally house. Mm. Creepy. If you look at 1990 through 92, I know the Humbards. So, We'll, I guess, learn who the Humbards are when I go through the timeline. Especially their youngest brother, youngest daughter. Why did I just say brother? That's okay. I've only been driving for 10 hours today. That's okay. It's okay. Ooh, words are hard. That word is daughter, especially their youngest daughter, Shauna. Because what was what was going on was I said brother and then Shauna. Shauna. That doesn't yes. make sense. Um, apparently, Shauna is not mentioned. But she... That's just a side note. Now, none of my girls have ever claimed we've played with Sally, but we lived five houses down from the Sally house, not in it or right next to it, 
but five houses down. But the timeline for the house is interesting. The time the Pickman family lived there is what brought the Sally House to fame. It was their story that got lots of attention, including all the scratches Mr. Pickman received. He even drew a picture of Sally. Um, a semi can probably drive through the holes in the Sally House stories. Oh, well, that's cool. A quick Google search will show everything you ever wanted to know. However, many people have claimed to have strange things happen to them while near, in or near the house. I have copies of a documentary that Robbie Thomas did about Sally House and what went on while he was there. Um, she provided us a link to Robbie Thomas, who was a, who was a psychic. And we'll um, include that too. Right. Um, so there's a picture of um, the hand-drawn picture of Sally. Yeah. She just, those big-ass eyes. Do you see them big-ass demonic eyes? Big scary eyes. They're demons. That's a demon, baby. Girl. So in, 19, in 1822, Michael Croman Finney was born near Cork, Ireland. In February of 1838, Catherine Kate, Catherine Kate Catherine's, that's a heck of a name. Girl, Catherine Kate Catherines was born in Middlebury, Vermont, to Charles James Catherines. He was born in Dublin, Ireland. In December of 1854, Michael Finney and Catherine Catherines were married in Lexington, Missouri. And Finney is the doctor. Yes. Okay. In 1856, James K. Finney was born, or James K. Finney was the doctor, right? Yeah. He was born in Liberty Clay County, Liberty, Clay County, Missouri. In 1856, seven months after James was born, the family moved to Atchison, Kansas. On April 17th of 1857, lots nine and 10 were sold by the Atchison Town County to Samuel C. and Lucy Pomeroy. In 1859, they sold the lot to Thaddens and Thaddeus, or Thaddeus and Theodore Hyatt of New York City. The Hyatts gave power of attorney to handle the property to Willis or Millis. Okay, okay, I don't care. Mamie Maria Finney was born. I don't know, she was 15 months old when she died. I want to get to the juicy stuff. Um, okay, so we'll 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 put the time the the timeline somewhere in the video. Um, if you're just listening and you're not watching the video, uh, it'll be in the it'll be in the caption or something. There's a whole lot going on. It goes all the way to 2006, and I'm sorry, I'm not trying to read 180 years of dates. Don't forget so, to like and smash that subscribe that's button. AF friends. Okay, so I'm going to talk about um, a local to our state ghost. Um, actually two. The first one is going to be Condi Cunningham though. Um, in 1908, 18 year old Condi Cunningham was a student at the Alabama Girls in, uh, Industrial School. Now, as a matter of fact, you can actually follow her in previous years to this event and track that she had great grades, that she was in these honor rolls every, every year or so. Um, just by looking up her name and she was highlighted for her her little education um but on the night of february 4th 1908 in her shut up the 4th of february the 4th of february that is totally like 88 years before well 78 years before i was born happy birthday thanks she died <laughs> love that for me <laughs> <laughs> Um, in her dorm room, Condi attempted to put out flames in an alcohol chafing dish. 
Now, you as a chef, do you know what that is? Yeah. I had no idea what it was, mm -hmm. but I knew once I Googled it. We don't use them so much anymore. Now they have a gel, like a, almost like a silica gel. Mm. You like that now. You still let it on fire, though. Absolutely. How else do you keep chafing dishes warm? I didn't even know what a chafing dish Oh, but now I do. Anyway, for those that don't know, Wikipedia states that a chafing dish is a metal cooking or serving pan on a stand with an alcohol burner holding chafing fuel below it. So it's used to uh, cook at a table or as a food warmer for keeping dishes at a buffet warm. Yeah, so think about a buffet um, served on tables more so than like the buffets we need to be accustomed to. Not the buffet line. Right. Yeah, okay. So for more like elegant, like weddings, for example. Oh, okay. If I you have like a buffet at a wedding, all of those things are called chafing dishes that all the food is in. Okay. And the things that are on fire are... The little... Okay. used to be made out of alcohol. So, um, she unfortunately had her clothing somehow become ignited. Um, she rushed out into the hallway where the flames were soon put out by either her classmates or a teacher. Um... And what was thought to be survivable injuries actually turned fatal um, when she passed away at 10 p.m. on Thursday, February 6th. And she was laid to rest in Oak Hill Cemetery. Wait a minute. The 4th of February then was a Tuesday. I, too, was born on Tuesday, February 4th. It's, it's as if she's telling me to tell you this story. That's cool. Creepy. Hello. Hello, future person. Um, and as a, uh, a side note, my father has actually been there, and he has seen the door in person, and he has taken a picture of the door. But I don't know where that picture is. It's on the computer somewhere. Try to find it and then get it to me. Um, so anyway, her tragic death, I went too far, death, however, would live on through her haunting. On the night of February 4th, 1908, Condi and her roommate had been making fudge on a chafing dish that sat on the floor of their dorm room between them. Now, that information I could not find Newspaper-wise, this is a recent update to the story, so it's probably legend at this point. But we know that it actually did happen. Um, the lights out was signaled, um, and the two of them rushed to extinguish the flame so that they didn't get in trouble uh, from some teacher on the floor. But in the frenzy, the bottle of alcohol was spilled and fluid ignited, spreading to her clothes. Um, the truth of the matter is that she ran out screaming and was put out, I found that it was stated that she put it out and a teacher had helped her to do that. But um, her spirit is said to be on the fourth floor of the main hall uh, where a girl-shaped figure hanging upside down, her long hair streaming down to the floor is somehow engraved in the door of her room. That door has been taken off the hinges and I think now it's a metal door, right? I don't know, the door in the storage area is wood. Yeah, the storage door is, but I think they've replaced it now with a metal door or something. Um, paint and repaint, the image always comes back, and it's in, it's in the grain of the wood. Um, she can also be seen as a flash of fright going by, uh, spotted through the corner of your eye. Um, Red, like she's on fire. Yeah. Red, like she's on fire. Hmm. New claims include hearing screams in the shower and cries for help in the hallway. So... That is the first story, and again, try to find that picture and send it to us, and we'll, we'll post it too. Um, in that picture, I do know for a fact, though, that there is some kind of a staircase next to it, and what looks to be the bottom of an old-timey dress 
coming down the stairs. But it's like not really supposed to be there kind of picture. Hmm. Yeah. Um, my next story is going to be about, indirectly, but it's about uh, Jeffrey the Ghost. And I know that you don't know who Jeffrey the Ghost is. Do you know who Jeffrey the Ghost is? Okay. So in Alabama, there was a folklorist named Catherine Tucker Wyndham. And she wrote this series of books called 13 Alabama Ghosts and Jeffrey. And uh, in 1966, on Rural Street in Selma, Alabama, a young girl sat alone in her room where she heard footsteps coming down the hall. Thinking it was her brother Ben home from college, the young girl called out to him, only to receive silence as the response. Um, over the years, other inexplicable things would happen, and the family became convinced they had a ghost. Um, the young girl's mother, Catherine Tucker Wyndham, named the ghost Jeffrey. Um, she turned her paranormal inspiration into the book series. Perfectly appropriate name for a ghost, I'd say. I mean, it's a good name, isn't it? Absolutely. It's a great name. Um, she co-wrote this book with a woman named uh, Margaret Gillis Fye. I assume Fye. F-I-G-H. Um, the first to notice Jeffrey in a room was the family's cat, though. Um, Admiral Hornblower. Well, all right for that. What a fancy name for a kitty cat. That is fancy. Um, but but he eats fancy feast cat food. Well, too. he's dead now, so. He eats fancy feast in kitty heaven. In kitty heaven. <laughs> <laughs> Reportedly, though, he would be asleep in his chair and then suddenly stand up and screech without explanation. Um, Catherine remained in the same house with Jeffrey until her death in 2011. And the house has since been sold to a new family, but no information on whether Jeffrey has welcomed the new family in his same way or not has ever been you know shared um the windoms though the the children are are still alive and they only wish that jeffrey is happy wherever he is um the stories included in the original 13 alabama ghosts are the ghost of the angry architect death lights in the tower the faithful vigil at carlisle hall the specter in the maze at cahaba the phantom steamboat of the tom bigby the unique, uh, excuse me, the unquiet ghost at Gaineswood, the face in the courthouse window, and I'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, mobile, mobile, mobile. I'm mobile. from Alabama, I promise. Mobile's pipe smoking captain, the return of the ruined baker, banker, the hole that will not stay filled. I can mention that one too. Huntington's <laughs> college's red the, lady. The, the places. These places. My mind went with a hole that can't be filled. Lord have mercy. Stop. <laughs> I'm going straight to hell. My dad's right there. <laughs> the crying spirit at the well and the dancing ghost of Grancer Harrison. Do you know about Huntington is College's that, is Red that Lady? The same as, uh, no. Okay. No. No, because it was an Alabama industrial school back then. Well, just look into that. Hmm. Well, that's a good point. Mm. Um, but upon her book receiving backlash from certain Christian groups, no. Catherine stated, if I'm going to hell, and I can't deny that, because it's not for me to judge, it won't be for telling ghost stories. I have far greater shortcomings <laughs> than that. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Prior to her death, she gave her blessing for 13 Alabama Ghosts and Jeffrey to be adapted into a stage musical by Don Everett Garrett and Kevin Francis Finn. She was able to see the premiere at Red Mountain Theater Company's Cabaret Theater in October 2010. And just as a side note, apparently you can um, reach out to them and you can take that adaptation and put it on at your own 
school or whatever thing. However um, plays were. However plays were. <laughs> now, about the two that I mentioned, I looked into the face in the courthouse window. I was going to tell that story. But upon researching it, upon researching it, it became a little bit more concerning of it being just a racial legend. Ah, yes. And I was like, mm, Alabama. I don't want to do that one. And then the hole that will not stay filled was a story about a man who had been, I think he was lynched. Oh, but his that's not what feet, I thought. Oh, it's a, a tree and a hole in the ground. Mm. Anyway. Um, yeah, that sounds like a lynching to me. Every time they would go to fill this hole that was underneath this tree, it would unearth. Excavate? Itself. Hmm. So much so to where I think now the area that it's referencing to, and the tree's been removed, and I think the area is filled with rocks. Like they literally went out of their way to, to fill the hole with permanent ways. Fillins. Fillins. Um, what were you pointing at? Death Lights in the Tower? Death Lights in Towers in Tuscaloosa. Is that um, University of Alabama? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you about that. Okay. So now, I'm going to pass it off to my father, who is just as weird of a person as me. (laughs) What do you want me to do? Oh, to the name. Her name. Catherine Tucker, one Yeah, and I just wanted to say that it is well worth anyone's effort to look up Catherine Tucker Wyndham on YouTube and hear her telling some of these stories. Do the you know? The woman is incredible. She can tell a story. So, you know Alabama dialects? I mean, they're pretty similar to you the You know rest the of real thick She's got southern that Montgomery draw. Southern. Mm-hmm. It's her. And, oh. it, uh, and she tells these stories beautifully. <laughs> She is an amazing. We had a tape we listened to in the car driving places, and she's telling the story. And I don't remember the story, but the one phrase, "piercing blue eyes." She was. Does, that, does that make you? <laughs> she was incredible. So it's well, well worth the effort. If you ever get a chance, and you we'll link, learn, we'll put the links in the captions. Yes. Yeah. To the you video. can still buy, yeah, and you can still buy her books out and about. And I know for a fact that when I was a kid renting out those books from like a library they were it was it was a hot book to get but they were they were fantastic books to read just to you know early early childhood spooks oh yeah yeah okay and so now you're going to tell your stories because you have done so much i learned about chupacabras when i was like eight in the back of orion's at a mufon meeting so that's who i am at a what meeting a mufon what is a mufon I'll get into that bit. Come do go. Oh, I was just just a quick. What does it stand for? Mutual UFO. Oh, okay. Network. Okay, cool. All right. He likes aliens. There's nothing wrong with that. There's deeper information to that too. (laughs) I just wasn't sure what a mufon was. Okay. Mufon. All right. Cool. Okay. So. Okay. So you were going to tell your story about an experience that you had a billion years ago, but do you want to tell the funny story about um, our ghost hunt? together at the Christmas house about the well, nuns. There's even a, a preload to that. You want to do the whole thing? Sure, go as ahead. As to why we were there? Yeah. Okay. So we're, we're jumping right into the middle of, or the latter years of, of my involvement in doing ghost hunting. So 
anyway, I was doing ghost hunting. Uh, around Halloween time one year, we were invited uh, by a Birmingham radio duo to come visit a haunted house. Rob and Shannon. I wasn't going to name names. We'll do it. But anyway, yeah, Rob we're and a Shannon. We're podcast. Nobody knows. And uh, so... We'll get like 40 views on this video. I, I, went along, <laughs> I went along with Jeanette McClure, who I'll talk about again later. Jeanette McClure was a, a psychic from the Huntsville area. Uh, little old little lady with a, a big white uh, what beehive. Do you call it? beehive. Wonderful, sweet lady. She's passed now, but she's a wonderful lady and a psychic. So we went to do this this little venture adventure with the, uh, the radio people. The fact that she had a beehive and she's a psychic, I just this may not be what she looks like at all, but I'm getting poltergeist. Carolyn, she's taller. Make her taller. <laughs> Make her taller. Okay. That's who I see. Behind, psychic, lady, super sweet. southern woman. Oh, okay. yeah. But she's make her taller. <laughs> <laughs> make her taller. So we went, and we had a great time. We went through and did, a, you know, viewed the house, heard the stories from the homeowners about, you know, what they had experienced there. And one thing that we would always do. Describe we, the house a little bit. Uh, a giant old Victorian. It's sort of Victorian-ish. And it, it, I it was on the, the south side of Birmingham, still there. Uh, haven't heard any more about any kind of activities there at all, but it's a very, very well maintained, very beautiful house. Um, we went there and uh, we we did our usual ghost bus. So we did our usual ghost busting activity and got to the at the end of the evening. Once we viewed everything and talked to all the people involved, we would do tabling. Tabling is a form of séance. Don't do this at home, uh, where you sit around the table, basically have your hands on the table very gently. Uh, you'll initially start out with a sort of an invocation and a prayer of, of Jeanette would do that. Of protection. Sorry. Put a white light around everybody in the activity so you're protected from any evil things. And then once that's over, you've had your hands basically gently placed on the table and you would ask ask questions of any of the spirits who want to come in. Is it hands and, or and fingertips? Fingertips. We'll just bring light, very light touch. And what happens is sooner or later, and I'm 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 a, about as much of a skeptic as I can be having seen the things I've seen. But you're sitting there at the table, and eventually you start feeling some some vibrations on the table. You feel some little knocks and, and gives, and eventually the table will huh, creak a little bit. You go, what's going on here? And, and then eventually the table will raise up on two legs or one leg. It'll start moving, raising up. And you can or ask, in, in your experience it did. In my experience. So it'll, you eventually can then translate those movements into yes or no answers. One is yes, two is no, things like that. And you can get a lot of information that way. So we did that. Now, this was during the time when all the radio people were there. And they had a couple of friends with them. I believe they had come with pillows and, and snuggle toys, you know, like little stuffed animals to enjoy their night. They were going to spend the night. It was going to be a fun time. Just they were going to sleep. Well, Love that. Yeah, yeah. So we're doing this this tabling session, and we're getting activity. We're uh -huh. getting things. And also during the tabling session, there were noises all through the house. Some of the noises were like things falling on the roof and making noise going down. So to get to the end of the story, the the guests were quite impressed. Would be a, a good word. <laughs> Once we, fin once we finished that, 
there was no overnight party to be had. <laughs> well, <laughs> they were gone. Now I'll, I'll give Rob uh, kudos. He stayed for the night with the folks, and we left, went on our way. Now that house, um, I don't know if it's that same year, maybe the next year, we got an invite to come visit because they had it all decorated for Christmas. They had uh, the place was really decorated for Christmas trees. You know, candles, beautiful, just beautiful setup, you know, finger food and all. Just, it was very beautifully yeah. done for the people to come through and, and visit. And, and you go tell the rest part. I, I'm not sure so, who, who said what to who. I don't remember. I guess, like, maybe, how old was I? <laughs> Under 10? It had to be, and, and your sister would have been well, four years older. I think you were, you were young. I think I was young, too. Yeah. Um, so we walk into this place and it's absolutely beautiful. It's like, oh my gosh, wow. And the homeowner approaches us and he welcomes us or whatever. Very, very welcoming, very nice guy. Very straightforward. Oh my gosh, we're so glad you came, blah, blah, blah. Oh, and by the way, if you see three knives descend down the stairs, descend down the stairs, three knives descend down the stairs, don't be alarmed. It's okay. Three knives? <coughs> Three knives. Like kitchen knives? Like kitchen knives. So Just casually taking a stroll down the stairs. So I, in my little child self, <laughs> this is how this is how we're walking around the house. <laughs> I'm not going to be the one that sees three knives going down the stairs. I see shit, heard shit, or saying shit. Uh, it's not going to be me. <laughs> oh, everybody else could be cool with this. I'm not going to be cool with it. We go up the stairs. We're looking in their bedrooms. There's a bedroom that's got nuns standing around this bed. And I'm like, that's really weird. Why are they here? Or whatever. And so it finally gets to be time for us to head out. And either dad or my mom, what's wrong with you? What are you doing? The man said there were going to be three knives descending down the stairs. And we're all supposed to be okay with this. <laughs> and one of them goes, knives? They said nuns. If you see the nuns descend the stairs, it's okay. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> I thought everybody was just chill with these floating cutlery. <laughs> that it was no big deal for these floating knives to just take people out. That is so it precious, Erica. I love that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Beg and, pardon? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, look, I was just going to take it as gospel and... We're just gonna get there and be done. Um, now you have another story, and I did not go with you to this one, but this is about a house in Athens, Alabama. Hey, can we take a break and you can get my drink? Mm -hmm. Okay, so Erica mentioned this in Athens, Alabama. Actually, the house is in Tanner, Alabama, T A N N E R. You can look this up on the internet. And for um, those of us that don't have a country accent, he said T A N E R. <laughs> Do I have a country accent? Yes. Everybody did sound like you said. T N N R E R. <laughs> Tanner, Alabama. It's all right, Dad. So, uh, <laughs> it's okay. And so, um, it's it's outside of Athens, and Athens does play a role in this. So, we already mentioned a little bit about my participation in other activities and investigative activities. I had gone to the Athens State College Parapsychology Group meeting to ask some questions about some things I had incurred in doing some UFO investigations. Met the people there, they're really nice, really great folks, and, and um, had left, you know, with the, making some friends. 
They later invited me to go on this haunted house adventure with them. Again, it was during Halloween time. Uh, a newspaper in the area had decided to invite them to come out to visit this house. Oh, can you send us that link too? I'll, I'll try to find it. I'll okay. see if you look it up and find it. But yeah, I will. Um, so we all went. Uh, it was, again, myself. Uh, Jeanette McClure was there as the, the psychic. There were a number of people there from the newspaper and about two or three other people from the club, from the organization that were there. And let me, this is important. I know it's taking some time, but I'll, I'll lay this out. So if I'm sitting here like this, okay, it's an older home uh, to my left and sort of over to this side of the house is a doorway. You walk in the doorway, immediately facing the doorway is a, a very, oh, skinny staircase up to the upper level where the, the bedrooms were, okay? Uh, on this side, extending against this wall, is this, that was, this would have been the front of the house. Uh, over here to the right, in the center of that room, a big open room, in the center of that room is a beautiful fireplace. And they had it stoked with wood and it was just a beautiful flame going everything else. Uh, to the back of that room was a a, there was a trans, a glass transom that at once was the back of the house. There was a doorway that went into a bathroom and the kitchen to the very back of the house was, that was all an addition in the newer, newer days, you know, later days. Explain what a transom is real quick. Uh, it was like a window above a door. There you go. Okay. A glass window above a door. That used to be the back of the house, and now it had you know, filled in. They Just for people that are uncultured and have never lived in old homes. Yeah. So here we are sitting, uh, facing this open room, fireplace over here. They'd set up a table in the middle of that room. On the far side of that was another couch facing this way. And we were seated, sitting around this table. And we went into a session, doing a tabling session with the, with the people that were there. And the owner of the house was there, the current owner of the house, and some of the, some of the other guests. And we went through quite a while talking, uh, working with Jeanette, working with the homeowner about some of the things that had happened in the house. And basically to, to get to the point, I think the owner, the deceased owner of the house <laughs> was upset about some of the things being done with the, the house and, and the handling of things about the house and the, the renovations and, reno and whatnot. Things, yeah, things like that. And so during the process of that tabling session, we took care of those issues and everybody was sort of happy about the, what was going to happen in the future of the house. We continued to work with some of the other guests there, a young lady, and I won't go into those details because it's sort of personal, but let me just say that this was my first exposure to this stuff. And I was like, you know, I'm sure my eyes were like this big. <laughs> um, the, that, the whole tabling thing was like the first time around I was sitting there and this table starts rocking, right? And I'm going, oh my God, what is going on here? But I had it figured out. I had it figured out because somebody, the person across from me was a, another lady. And I knew, I, I had in my head anyway, she, she's rocking the table. She's doing this. I'm, I'm going along with it, okay? We changed out people. Different people took the table. We started working with one of the other guests that were there. And she had some personal issues with a grandparent who had passed. But in this situation, I'm not sitting across the table from anymore from that other lady. I'm, it's basically just me. And the thing starts rocking, and this thing ends up over in my lap. And I'm going, what is going on here? I mean, it, my whole self-explanation is gone. 
so we, we worked through that. Some tears were shed, you know, some, some. And that was dad. <laughs> the, the person who, who had some issues with the grandparent, tears were said, and things got settled out, and, and uh, things were made okay. Okay. At this point, I got up because I'm like, you know, that activity just drains you of all the energy. Just it just, you know, what what could happen, Jeff? You're sitting there at a table, walking. You know, how could that drain you? I mean, every bit of energy in my body was gone. I got up, walked around. Some of the folks went outside. The ones that smoked at that time. Decided they were going to, you know, have a have a smoke. Uh, and I was standing there with my back to the the wall, looking into the room towards the back of the of the home, and I saw somebody walk by. Okay. Uh, pause it real quick and see. <laughs> no, so so I was standing. Uh, against the the front wall, looking over the room towards the, the doorway to the back to the kitchen. And I saw somebody move back there. And I'm looking around, so I sort of knew where everybody was. So I walked around to the back of the room there, and then the, the bathroom door was in that little hallway going into the kitchen. So it was sort of ajar, but I did, you know, hello, no one's in there. That's, that's funny. And so I turned around, sort of walking back up towards the front again. As I did, the owner of the house said, oh, you saw him too? I said, yeah. Who was that? And the story came out then that at one time, many, many years ago, when there was no kitchen, there was no bathroom back there, that was just the back of the house. And that transom that was still there was over the back door. And at some point in time, someone had come up to that back door there were some bad feelings between the person coming in and, and the person in the door and at the door. And there was a shotgun involved. The shotgun was dropped, they said, went off, killing the person in the doorway. And also the shot from the shotgun shattered that window in the transom above the door. Okay. So he was saying that was possibly who that ghostly figure was that I saw. Also from that point on at various times in the year, for no apparent reason, the transom was still there. Even in the modern day, the glass would shatter and fall on the floor. <laughs> you love it, don't you? This, this, was, this, this, was, this was my introduction <laughs> to the ghostly world and, and the team there. And you know, I, I got in my car and drove off that night, and I'm going, what in the world have I gotten into? I said, what the fuck? He said, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Beg pardon? <laughs> so, also, um, the house that we moved into that I grew up predominantly is where mom and dad still live. And we had a cat growing up named Boo Boo. And uh, Boo Boo had a gimpy eye. Could it, could it be his eye had a boo-boo? His eye had a boo-boo, but he was named boo-boo, too. Um, that was the joke. And my father goes frequently downstairs in their house, and he's got an office down there, and he will see boo-boo scared by. You can see a little, little shadow little just, just up by the doorway. Um, there's also a story about that house um, that... The upstairs bathroom didn't work for so long as far as the tub goes. And when we finally got it to work again, we learned of the story of the house. And there is a 
hamper that's built into the wall and it's got Pearson drilled into it. And it turns out that Mr. Pearson owned the house. And one afternoon he went to go visit his wife at the nursing home that's right down the hill. And when he came back, he died of an aneurysm in the bathroom and he hit his head, I think on the tub. But so we finally got it to work. And then after we learned of that story, the tub decided to not work again. There's something wrong with the plumbing. So my family just said, okay, this is, that's your tub and just left it be. That's, that's their tub. We're not going to worry about it anymore. Uh, like Liz was saying, I used to see, um, like an orange kind of outline of a man in the doorway of my bedroom. I don't know that I ever told them that, but, um, there wasn't anything ever terribly scary, but yeah, that was there. And then there's the terrifying basement. It's like a dirt filled room. That's got filled as a dirt floor. It's a dirt floor. It's got like these bricks against the wall that it's filled with dirt more. Um, there was a, excuse the term, but I don't have any other better word for it, um, a servant's area in the house. That's what they're called. Okay. Um, yeah. It was a single room and fuck that. Fuck that. Not going in there. Um, I think there's that's where the water heater is. Is that where it is? It's just a water heater. Yeah. No. Maybe for you. <laughs> um, but every time that, and I guess dad's used to it at this point, but Paul can attest to this. Whenever you go up the stairs to the main floor of the house, you run. There is, you don't go slow up there. There's someone behind you every single time. Every single time. We've lived there a million years. <laughs> Well, tonight you come experience it. Yeah. For tonight will be the first time that you yeah, don't don't cheese me, please. <laughs> all right, I think that's all that we had. Right. Is there anything else from you? Any other spookies? I mean, not. I mean, now that I can think of, the I mean, there of course there's more spooky. It's me, but um, no, not really. Not that I can think of. Well, I think that's all. Yeah, I'm sick of the what would you know when, when we were at. Montevala, mm -hmm. which is where the the door is. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember being impressed by much of anything there except for we were in the president's mansion house, and there was a distinct you could smell Prince Albert tobacco walking in, walking through the place. I didn't see is that pipe? Spooky, but yeah, pipe tobacco. So it's sweet. Mm -hmm. Is that the king's house? I think so. Yeah, king's yeah. house had their story too. Yeah. And I have to look up and see if, if Condi was uh, the lady in red, Huntington? Huntington? I don't think so. Huntington, Montgomery, is, Huntington is a different school. Yeah. Montgomery? Yeah. Somewhere, I don't know. So. All right. Well, thank you. Thanks again to Liz and Bonnie. Thank you. And thank you to Mr. Ballard. To Jeffrey. To Jeffrey. <laughs> Jeffrey Ballard. Um, and also, we are hypnotists, and we work at Hoover Hypnosis. So if you need a hypnosis care, come see my dad. Or me. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right. We'll catch you guys next time. Thanks for joining us. We love y'all sweet pumpkins. Stay safe. And remember to fix your mouth. <laughs>